scary world. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this, this is... Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about true crime, ghost stories, spooky things. We talk about eerie stuff, cults. We talk about conspiracies, all sorts of weird, funky, whatever it is we feel like talking about kind of stuff. Uh, why is that, Sarah? Um, for the first time in 2021, because it's our show and not yours. A beer, a beer, a beer, 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 bitch. Um, welcome to the show. If you're new, stop right now and start from the beginning of the first episode, you dirty bitch. Yes, thank you very much. Please go on to your Spotify or iTunes tab, hit the sort by button, and hit oldest to newest and start there. Yes. Do it that way. There you go. Done. That's our spiel. Happy New Year, Sarah. Happy New Year, Stephanie. How you doing? Oh, you know. Like we mentioned, like we always do, we talk before we record, but same shit. Yeah, we talked for a good, like, 45 minutes before we started recording. We have to, man. We have to catch up on real life stuff before we bring you the show. We have to cry before we start recording. (laughs) Yes. We have to cry before we start recording. Ooh, we gotta let it all out first. Whether it's sad, angst, or just from laughing too hard. Sure, we'll pretend. It's okay, the well, you know, <laughs> this is a comedy podcast, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you? You said uh, we should talk about for banter. I thought it would be cool to just talk about goals for twenty twenty one, not like resolutions or any bullshit like that. And I wanted to talk about goals for the show. And whatever we might want to try to potentially accomplish this year. But first, I wanted to point out, because I noticed this, so I keep my little journal notebook that I have for the show because I like to write everything down. And I'm on my second notebook of the show, and I'm actually almost Mm -hmm. done with it. So I went back to the front, and on the first page, I have sort of like my own makeshift vision drawing Mm -hmm. board. Right? Stephanie's seen it. But it's just sort of little doodles of like, I wrote dreams for dead time stories. And out of the four things that's on here, we've accomplished, or I lied. I can't do math. There's five things. Out of the five things on here, we've accomplished three of them. That's pretty fucking cool. And one of them is only not accomplished because of the Rona. Because of Corona. Yep. And that's the live show, right? Because we were working on planning that. Oh, my God, you guys, it's been a year. Almost. We were planning it. Yes. So, yeah, we had on our Dreams for Dead Time stories, I'm going to keep it there because we're going to have a live show. It's going to happen. Happen sometime. Maybe this time. I'll win. Maybe this time. Maybe this winter? I'm putting it out there that I'm hoping Come fall, winter season of next year, indoor entertainment will be of back. Next year? No, no, this year, this year. Oh, no, 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 no. I said yes. it. No! You said, it, you said it. You put it out there already. No. I take it back. I take uh, it back. Do I have salt and I throw salt over my shoulder? Does that do anything? Oh. <laughs> In fall, winter of this year, indoor this entertainment will be a thing. So live show. Fingers crossed. But the other things on our list were a website. 
We got a website this past year. Check. Merchandise. We got merchandise last year. We also put down that we were hoping to record episode 100 overnight at the Van Zant house in New Hope, Pennsylvania. That (laughs) did not happen due to pricing and the fact that two they had a minimum. two that night was minimum a real thing we could afford a night there but they had a two night minimum and we couldn't afford two nights there and honestly if that we were fucking reasonable. around and talking to some spirits the first night i don't want to stick around for the sequel correct the squeakquel if you will Mm-mm. so the van zant house got crossed off the list and i'm okay with that i'm okay we with an episode we did a video episode it was great And then the last thing on our list that we 100% accomplished this year was we had a guest from Hello from the Magic Tavern come on our show. We did. Was that on our list? That was on the list. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, I, I said I knew that we would make it if, well, if we got a Leslie Jordan, like if Leslie Jordan came on the show, which he kind of did for episode 100. I did. And then if we got someone from Hello from the Magic Tavern, and we did. We Adol Refai was a guest on the show. That's wild. That yes. all happened this past year. This year. So He might not have been on our show if it weren't for Corona. Honestly, probably not. Because we didn't figure out our tours away shit. setup. Yeah, we were ready. So I, I just what wanted a wild to... ride. It's been such a wild ride, but there have been a lot of really good positive things that have still come out of it and i looked at that and i was like we accomplished a lot a lot this year and i i feel that way too like (laughs) we were talking earlier where i was just like what am i doing with my life um and that's a big issue for me in general it's just like focusing on like i have many accomplishments i focus so much on like the things i'm not getting done and the things that i want to be doing that i Forget about all the incredible shit I get done all the time. And yeah, we do an awesome show. You do incredible work with our business. (laughs) (laughs) With all the business. (laughs) But no, like I, I am very proud of, of this show. And like, we've, you know, we've been doing it for like almost what, like two and a half years now. It'll be three years in May. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's insane. That's awesome. So, yeah, I just wanted to put out into the ether because I'm going to get another book and I'm going to write these down because I liked just writing down just goals, things I'd like to accomplish and I would love to have happen or dreams as I wrote there. And then let's see what we can make happen. So the first one on my list is live show. Live show. Live show. Number one. Coming soon, 2021, Asterix could be moved. <laughs> Are there any goals you have? Um, I would still, not necessarily the Van Zant house specifically, but like I would still love to do some sort of like on location episode. Oh my God, yes. I would love yes. to do that. Oh. Yeah, you right. guys, I'm like, you either, heard I don't, it. You know, Van Zandt House or whatever, even if we go to, like, I know Gettysburg isn't there anymore, but, like, even if we go to some weird attraction together, like, when we did the, the, we ghost, did the tour. ghost tour, I don't know if we could, like, record something like that, but I would love to go somewhere and then, like, record us going somewhere. I would love to do an episode like that. Well, 
my story might go on that potential list of locations. Oh, shit. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, my God. I love that so much. All right, yes, you guys, you heard it that. here. We're putting it out into the ether on location. An episode, episode on location, yeah. I love that so much. My, I think my other goal would be to revamp the Patreon and mm. give the people more new stuff, jumble things up a bit. Because we've had that for a yeah. year and we're so thankful that people are still giving us money. So I just don't want Absolutely. people to get bored with their content. I don't either, and I want to know, like, what the people want. Like, if there yeah. are any requests for kind of stuff that people would like to see on Patreon, what would that make it worth your $5, $10, $15 a month? Like, you tell us what you'd like to see. Because um, I, I definitely agree. I would love to put more, like, Patreon-exclusive content or more, just more stuff out there. And I just want to know what people want. Yeah, what do you guys like? Yo. What if there was a Dead Time Stories only fans? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Would what y'all if there pay was for ghost that? Ghost dick content. Just I mean we've we've batted that around uh before. What if we yeah, we had an OnlyFans that was just for ghost dick content. <laughs> Who would sign up? Who's interested? Hey, bada, um, bada, bada. Christina was working on some sort of um ghost ass pussy cover i'm so confused <laughs> i just had something awesome the other day and this is gonna be one of those things like you laugh at it so hard and then you say it and like nobody else laughs like one of those you had to be there <laughs> you know we've got the tushy is the day and i was that <laughs> was like you got that you got that w-a-d and i was looking at them like what and they're like Wet ass dookie hole. <laughs> Sarah, I laughed until I cried. I was crying. I was laughing. <laughs> and it just kept being like, dookie hole. <laughs> Why? I don't. Dookie hole. That's a new one. Oh. <laughs> wet ass dookie hole let us never forget what dead time stories is about dookie humor dookie humor we love we love them poop jokes we do we do um and then i think scary girl since you mentioned tushy my last goal is sponsors I would love to be sponsored. We would love Tushy. to get some sponsors. Tushy specifically, but sponsors in general. Because with Tushy, I would love to tie it into like stories that scare the shit out of you. Oh yeah, we could do anything. Tushy. Like they just need to find like hear us and then they would be I like, know. Oh, I you know. and all of your fifty followers are gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them might buy a Tushy. You know what? I'm going to call but, out Barbara again. Maybe she'll buy it. Barbara emailed us. Y'all, did you email us again? Because <laughs> she heard the episode and was like, in my defense, I emailed you first and then Mitch and Leah. <laughs> <laughs> did she Did she let me know if she wants to be Barb or Barbara? Oh, she didn't say. She didn't have a, par- a preference? Okay. I mean, I love call. I love Barb. I don't know, probably because of Big Love, but I'm like something about just Barb is like, ooh, Barb. But I don't like to be called Steph. So if she prefers Barbara, like I get it. I'm sure we'll get an email because she's definitely caught up. Anyways, 
<laughs> so speaking of Tushy right quick before we get into the story. I mean, I don't know if you know, but one of the presents that Val got me for Christmas was a portable tushy. Yes, I got to see it. I was assuming that you did know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was assuming you knew. You no. showed it to me in person. Oh. Oh, okay. I don't know. I thought Val was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Val was like, I got the best present ever for Stephanie. You gotta know what she got. No, Val got me a portable tissue for Christmas, which I at first laughed at, but I gotta tell you, I fucking love it. (laughs) It lives in my desk at work, and when I know I'm gonna be pooping, I take that thing in there, and I gotta say, because I don't have the deluxe tissue, I've got the regular tissue, because I was like, I'm not splurging, I don't want to connect it to the hot water, that seems like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. With the portable one, I do put hot water in it at work, and I use that tissue with the warm water on my butthole. It's like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Please describe it. Please Describe how it makes you feel. Say, Do you feel warm seen, from like, the inside out? The visual where it'll like zoom in on somebody's face and they're seeing like doves flying and like a child <laughs> learning how to ride a bicycle and there's like just all the beauty and then there's like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, like all these amazing things. And like you see like a tear coming down. Like it was like that. It was just like that. Perfect. So she please sponsor us. I love washing my butthole with your product. So she please sponsor us. Please. Hashtag. I would be so excited. Uh, we'll put some tushy content on our, our dead time only fans. Yeah, we will. We'll do a whole tutorial on how to use your tushy. It's true. You'll see uh, uh, some sort of not reenactment, but like. You'll see something that'll let you know how to spray the poop off your butthole with a tushy. Exactly. It is life-changing. Oh, my God. I had an idea. What if we did that and acted like we actually had an OnlyFans, but then when we went to show the content, instead of it being us or people, it's, like, puppets. Like, the felt puppets. <laughs> <be> lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, a puppet butt with, like, poop pieces on it getting, like, squirted with water. <laughs> Have, like, pudding that you're just, like, if you could put um, <laughs> pudding in, like, a piping bag, and then you put that in the butthole, and then you just squeeze, squeeze. the piping bag, and it'll... But you want to use one of those piping bags with, like, the star shape on it? Do you know what I'm... I know what you're talking about, and now I'm like, is it still scat porn if it's with a puppet and pudding? This took a weird I guess, you know, turn. Sarah, what is art, you know? Girl, I don't know. That is actually very relevant of a segue. So let's get let's into get it. into oh it. Gosh. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Stephanie, what are we segueing into? Sarah, what is art? How would you define art? Oh, dear God. Uh, scat porn. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the segue you want for what I'm about to talk about. I promise you that right now. (laughs) Today I'm talking about Marla Olmstead, who uh, became a famous painter at the age of four years old. (laughs) At four? 
four. Okay. <laughs> Sarah, why are you making why are you making that why? tone of voice? Because according to my mom, I was a famous painter at four years old too. Everyone is a every kid is a famous painter. What what were they painting? Is it beautiful or is it literally finger painting that someone was like this is all Would you like to see some of Marla Olmstead's work? Show me. So I'm gonna send you some pictures, some pictures of her artwork. Let's see. They're different. There it's it's crucial that I show you pictures from early in the timeline of her becoming famous because it's kind of important. Okay. I'm gonna send you some pictures by Marla Olmstead. Okay? okay. I just wanna they all have names and I wanna be able to like tell you the name when I send you the picture. So I wanna make sure I have the right thing open. Okay. I'm like weirdly <sighs> excited. <laughs> you really should be. <laughs> So here's a picture of her in front of a painting of hers called Zane Dancing. Zane is her little brother. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> really? To be, to be clear, everyone, these are these would be described as modern ad- abstract art. This is not like, you know. A real, a photorealistic painting. <laughs> She's not like I can see how someone can look at it and be like, "Well, that's kind of pretty and weird abstract art." But guys, this is finger painting from a child. There's no Here way is. that she's like putting thought and detail. I believe this picture, and I, to be clear, don't know who names the pictures. By the way, the the artwork. Yeah. This one, I believe, is a piece called Flowers. Sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, I've seen shit that looks just like this in museums. Uh, and then this painting I will send to you. This painting is called Bottom Feeder. What? Ugh, I don't like this one. This is like so the worst and least of art looking of all of them. This one looks well, like- and see, I was trying to find yeah specifically earlier paintings. Okay, because we'll get into that. All right. Mm-hmm. So, how the story goes is that Marla's dad had like picked up painting as a hobby, and Marla saw him painting, and she was like, "I want to paint," and he was like, "Okay, here's a canvas, here's some paint, you go paint." Okay. Mm-hmm. And, like, set her up with some stuff, and then she started painting. And then she just really enjoyed painting. She was just super into it. Okay? And she just really took to it. And it got to the point where, like, people in the family and stuff would be, like, they just had so many paintings because she just loved doing it so much. And people in the family would be, like, oh, can I have a paint? Like, can I have one? That looks cool. That looks cool. And one of their friends owned a coffee shop and was, like, hey, I would, you know what? I would hang one of those in my coffee shop and see if it sells. Because, you know, why not? I, I have other artwork up. Like, why not put up? And her parents are like, yeah, that's cute. Like, sure, thinking why it's not? very adorable. They're not really thinking anything of it. But he hangs the artwork by Marla. And people are like, who is, I would love to buy this piece. Would, I, would you take $250 for this painting? And he was like, all right. Seriously? And he told them. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And he told the parents about it, and they all thought it was like a laugh. Okay, um, but they she's were like painting. me; they're like seriously, right? Well, and they're just like—I mean, there are kids' paintings, like they're not, but okay. 
Um, but people seemed really impressed by these paintings. Okay. So they live in, um, I'm trying to remember the name of their town. It's like a small town in upstate New York and I didn't write it down, but it's just like a small upstate New York town. Okay. And somebody, a journalist in their hometown wrote like a little news piece on it. Um, because there was a gallery owner who had seen these paintings in the coffee shop and contacted the parents and was like, I want to do an all Marla exhibit at my, at my gallery because people are just so fascinated by Marla's work. And I want to put Marla's artwork up in my gallery and have an all Marla show. My head hurts from rolling my eyes so hard. (laughs) By the way, this is like 2003, 2004. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And okay. So this was, Not a very long time ago. No. So the gallery owner who is doing this, uh, he is also an artist, but he does like photorealism where he spends like months and months and months like scouring the details of a photo and like painting the photo, painting a picture that's like the exact photo, but like really big. Right. But he is fascinated by Marla's work and by other people's fascination with Marla's work. So he calls like a journalist of the local newspaper and he's like, hey, I think you should do a story on Marla because she is going to have a gallery opening at my gallery. She's this four-year-old prodigy and you should totally write a piece about this. And she was like, well, I don't really write about like, like this kind of stuff. I'm not like an art uh, journalist. I'm like a family. I do like family stuff. And he's like, this is a family story. It's a great little family. She's got a little brother, mom and dad. And it's all really cute and adorable. And like, you know, she like paints for fun and she's a total prodigy and it's a masterpiece. And we, you should totally do a story on her. So she's like, okay. So she does a little story on Marla and the family and like, they're really cute. So then what happens is the New York times picks up this article And the New York Times picks up this article about this cute little girl, Marla, who is selling these masterpiece paintings. And her gallery sells out. Every piece by Marla Olmsted at this gallery sells out. Okay. Wow. People are like, how do I get my hands on a Marla Olmsted? The innocence. She's so good. She's such a marvelous painter. It's so magical. She's so wonderful. What a prodigy. Okay. So... Um, her mom, there ended up being a a documentary made about them and I watched it. And the name of that documentary is my kid could paint that. That's the name of the (laughs) I like that. I know you do. I mean, as long as her kid could paint like squiggles, because that's what I saw. So the mom was really like, she seemed very uninterested in fame. Like she was very much like. I could be okay with this all being over and like, I don't want to push her. I don't want to push her to paint. Like mm-hmm. this isn't her job. I want her to be a little girl and she paints cause she wants to paint. And if she doesn't want to paint, I'm not making her paint. Nobody's making this girl do anything. Yeah. She's a little girl. Yeah. Let's leave it alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and her dad is usually the one who like sets stuff up. So he'll like, she likes to paint on like the table. So he'll put like a bunch of, mats down and like put a canvas on the table and she's like in a diaper and she's got her paint there because they're like we're not getting your clothes all covered in paint yeah and she'll just sit on the table and like paint okay and she'll do that for a long time 
So everybody's like fascinated by Marla. They're selling her paintings. I think the most the, the most one went for was fifteen thousand dollars. There were collectors who were like specifically like looking for Marla's paintings. There was this one lady who's like, I've taught at an art school for forty years. I own an art school, and I want to own every Marla piece that I can get. I can never recapture the innocence of my youth. And she just she's so innocent. She's such a marvelous painter. She has such a raw talent. And her father asked me if I would teach her at my art school and I told him no because I don't want to mess with talent like that you just have to let it you just have to let her create I don't want to I don't want to change that I don't want to uh, to change her artistry in any way right like people are like obsessed with this girl's Jesus. art okay and she's four years old Ugh, so then, I hate this so then 60 Minutes does a story on Marla right and they're like oh we're gonna do yeah okay cool 60 Minutes wants to come film around our house and you know have Marla paint or whatever and talk about it on 60 minutes that'll be cute i feel like everyone is forgetting that this is still a four-year-old and children's interests change very quickly and everyone is like throwing all of their attention onto her like this is what she's gonna want to do in three weeks (laughs) correct and even like her her mom had said right like this isn't this isn't her career this yeah. is the rest of her life. Like, she's a little girl, and this should only be something that she's doing for fun. I don't want to ever make her feel like she has to do this or she's supposed to be doing this. Like, she does what she wants. This is just what she, like, picked up to do right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And her mom really hates the word prodigy. She really does not like them calling her that because she's, like, she's not some prodigy. Like, she's a little girl playing with paint. Like, she's a little girl painting and being a little girl and playing yeah. with paint. And someone right. just went, ooh. Yes. So then 60 Minutes does a story on them. And the 60 Minutes story is presented in such a way where they're kind of like, is Marlo really the one painting the paintings? Oh, or is or... her dad doing it? <sighs> right. And they're like, or is it her dad? And then they're saying it's the little girl to make money. <laughs> So, so then they start getting all this hate mail that's like, you're a bunch of frauds, you're exploiting your children, you're fucking horrible parents, like, what are you doing? Like, all this attention falls on them. Ugh. And people are like, I, what if Marla didn't actually, did Marla really paint the pictures or was she coached by her father? Because there would be videos because she didn't just sit down and paint a five by five foot canvas. Yeah. Okay. There would be a canvas and this would go on for like a month or more, right? Where every day she would sit and like play on the canvas for a little while until a painting was done, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody could just sit and watch her paint a whole canvas and be like, paint it how you paint it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other things, kids' interests change. Other things, you start bringing around cameras. You start pointing and you're like, paint, paint, do it like you did. And this is a four-year-old kid. So all these cameras are around and they're like, paint, show everybody how you paint, Marla. And now her paintings are very different and they don't look like they did. And people are like, oh, these aren't as sophisticated as her last paintings. That just shows that she didn't really paint them. But her father, like her father or someone helped her paint them because now that everybody's looking at her, she doesn't paint the same way. 
And that was very much how people took it at the time. Me coming across this information now and watching this documentary like now she's in a 2020. Because the documentary, right, was made in like from 2005 to 2007. Um, and I was like, what I see was a, a little girl had a cool hobby that she liked. And then there were all these strangers in her house and all these cameras. And she didn't really understand why everybody was watching her all the time and telling her to paint. Mm -hmm. And she didn't really want to paint. And she didn't really want everybody looking at her all the time. Yeah. I don't really think it was. Because then they will show the paintings where they're like, these are the kind of paintings she painted when all the cameras were watching her. And they look different from her old paintings. Which is why I was like, I was trying to show you older paintings. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that... Um, the artist who ran the gallery that was selling most of her paintings, as all this stuff was coming in and people were questioning the legitimacy of this work, people stopped wanting to buy Marla Olmsted paintings because they were like, did she really paint them? Um, but there would be videos where her dad was like, go paint, go paint the red thing, go paint it, go put it, whatever, you know? And people were like, he's coaching her. <laughs> sure. Right. Okay. Right. And he's like, I never told her what to paint. I never pushed her to paint. I never was trying to make her be an artist. Like, I that was never what was happening. That it's, was never what happened. It's that thing where people will, if they want to find a fault in it or if they want to find something wrong with it, they're going to find that narrative in there somewhere. And the thing that would make me really sad about the documentaries was... Or, like, with the footage I would see, she would tell him to come paint with her. And I was like, even if, even if he did go paint with her at times when the camera wasn't there, those paintings were, like, a bonding moment between her yeah. and her dad. It wasn't some, like, scheme to make her be this famous painter, right? It was, like, them spending time together, having fun, doing, like, a craft, yeah. Right. Even if he did do anything in that capacity, I don't really have a problem with that. But I also didn't spend fifteen thousand dollars on a painting that some art dealer told me was painted by a four year old prodigy. Yeah. So I think a big part of people being so frustrated, like or, you know, hating them. It wasn't a story that they sold, that they the parents. It was kind of forced the art on dealers. Them. Yeah. who were selling the art were the ones saying she's a child prodigy. This is her artwork. This is incredible. So once that came out, I'm looking for this specific picture. Um, they really wanted to prove that like it was her artwork that like nobody was doing this for her. And so the only way that people said that they could do that was by filming a painting from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Okay. From the beginning of her painting it to the end of her painting it when it's done and show that nobody else was painting it. Mm -hmm. But remember, she doesn't just paint a whole painting and like sit and paint a whole painting. Yeah, so it's going to be like, yeah, time lapse. <laughs> but they made a video of her painting this painting. And the name of this painting that I'm about to send you is called Ocean. And there was a DVD that they made of her painting this to show that it was just her painting it like nobody else was doing it. So they released a video of her painting that from start to finish. Mm -hmm. But then the criticism that people had were that that wasn't the same style as what she painted before. Or it didn't have the same. Her previous paintings were more polished. This didn't seem to have the same elegance, the same nuance. 
as the paintings that she did before. So was this really proof? Because this painting looks different from all the other paintings. Oh my God. Again, they'll find the narrative in anything as long as they want it. Now, the thing is, the person who made the documentary, it seems like when he started making the documentary, like he was on, like he was with them, like filming it, like, oh my God, she's this, you know, this amazing kid painter. But the 60 Minutes story came out, like, while he was making his documentary. And the 60 Minutes, a like thing, special, Mm -hmm. made him question what he believed about her work. And he said the same thing, where he was like, I thought maybe filming Ocean would, like, help me confirm my belief that it was her. But, like, it really doesn't look like her other paintings. Like, he is also of the mind that they kind of faked it a little bit. Wow. And I watched his documentary, and I was like, you are so wrong. You are so wrong. Yeah. And I was also like, what's going on with Marla Olmsted these days? She's like, I fucking hate art. I don't touch a paintbrush. It was really hard to find anything about her after like 2015. Um, That was the last time she really had like a public appearance as like a painter. Um, But it isn't really, it's something she still kind of does, but it's just a hobby. She's not really on, she's not on social media because she's not into it. She's got to be like 19, 20 at this point in time. So the last thing I really read about her was from 2015. So it was like five years ago. But it just said like she was really into soccer and she likes science and she has a very normal life out of the public spotlight. And her parents to this day insist like they didn't do anything to help her paint and they didn't do any of the things for the money like it just happened the way that it happened and but now she lives like a very normal life and she still paints as like a hobby but that's it and some of her paintings are still available for sale from an old website that's like marlaolmstead.com which is where i tried to go to send you the pictures earlier because it opened on my phone but it won't open on my computer i think because the website is like so old wow <laughs> like it wants a do it's like adobe flash plugin required like oh, that's wow. why it won't run on my computer right um but i was really fascinated by this story and i was like well what's up with her now and now she just lives a normal 19 to 20 year old girl life except that she's just not really on social media yeah and her college tuition is already paid for yes i would hope so yes like her family didn't i didn't find anything of her family like doing anything crazy with the money they didn't buy like a wild house or anything it very much seemed like i mean they said everything that they did was they were doing it and then at their belief you know at her best interest yeah and they weren't trying to do anything to they didn't really like like the fame. They weren't trying to do anything to exploit their child. It was just this kind of weird thing that happened <laughs> to mm-hmm. their kid. And they seem to have like moved on from it. And I believe that, yes, that money was just saved for her college tuition. Honestly, good for them. They got out before things could get crazy. Um, I think it said that that gallery owner still gets calls um, like five or six times a year asking about Marla's work. Wow. That's crazy. All right, guys, we'll go check it out. MarlaOlmstead.com. Marla Olmstead will we'll definitely share some of her artwork on our Instagram. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Masterpieces, y'all. So I just thought that was a really interesting, fun story. No, I like it. Starting it out light. Right? Interesting I was like, fact, it's a pretty light story. World. Yeah, let's ease into 2021 nice and quiet. 
just tiptoe into it. <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips. Um, well, then I'm going to dive into it. And Do it. I dare you. Dive right into it. I'm starting the year off with a good old-fashioned Pennsylvania ghost story. Yes. yes. Get it, bish. So I was talking to some other friends about the show and I was like, you know what? I feel like I keep leaning towards doing true crime because you can get so many more tangible facts. Honestly, a lot right? of it's way more usually, fucked up. That's what makes me lean into true crime more. I mean, fucked up is also fun, but mostly more be- because I'm like, no, there's evidence behind this. This really happened. Yeah, but I want to I want to to me tap makes it back more into, like ooh. I want to tap more back fun. into ghost stories and lore and the stuff that we were doing at the heart of dead or at the beginning of dead time stories. So I'm this week, it. it's all about the Hillview Manor in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, yeah. or as their website touts, the haunted Hillview Manor of Newcastle, Pennsylvania. So it opened in the 1920s as an 85,000 square foot building, and it was a poor farm and halfway house, originally named Lawrence County Home for the Aged. So what it basically was, was like a halfway house slash a place where people who were disabled, elderly, down on their luck, and they all could sort of live there and work there together. Yeah. It was run by a couple named Perry and Mary Snyder. <laughs> Perry and Mary. Perry and Mary. And they it. were previously in charge of the facility that had been in the town that this new one was replacing because they needed more space. Uh, they quickly moved in with their two kids and 12 staff members. Molly and Dolly. Oh, God, I hope so. Or maybe it's with... Perry and Mary and Jerry and Jane. Or Perry and Mary and Polly and Molly. <laughs> they had two girls. Or no, one of yeah, them was Polly a boy, and but Molly. they expected it to be a girl, but they went with Molly. Anyways, the building is in three sections. The West Wing is for the men's quarters. The East Wing the West is Wing for is forbidden. I knew what you were saying, but I still heard it as you just yelling, the West Wing is for men. And I'm like, yes, that's what I said. (laughs) It is forbidden. It is forbidden. (laughs) The East Wing is for women. And the midsection was three three stories and housed the kitchen, uh, rec room, all the other stuff. Common areas. Common areas. Uh, And the building was meant to house 110 residents. When the doors opened, the building housed 20 residents. They were mentally ill, destitute, and elderly. And then other reports I said, I read, said in that first batch, there there was one child, which is weird because there's usually not children in these homes. These are not orphanages. These are for adults. Um, But in this first group of 20, you had mentally ill, destitute, elderly, and a kid. The goal was to provide a livable comfort for those who couldn't live on their own, and the patients would work and live on the land together. 
Over the years, the building would see between 70 and 160 people housed at a time. As I read and as you look through different newspapers and documents from the time, the people who lived there were referred to as inmates, but I don't think they ever brought in, like, prisoners. I think they just referred to all the people who lived there as patients or inmates. But if you lived there, you were still free to come and go as you please. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like something you had to get checked into. However, the people who were living there were usually people who could not live on their own and therefore were still part of that demographic that's easily taken advantage of, as we have seen in the past. So, of course, as I said, at times this facility housed up to 160 people when it was meant to only house 110 There were rumors and tales of abuse um, under Perry and Mary's reign. Yeah. Uh, You know, people dying, all of the bad things that you sort of see when you have the... What's the word I'm trying to think of? When you have the... Anyways, it's the people who aren't able to take care of themselves when you have all of them together. So between 1926 and 1944, Perry and Mary ran the facility. There were, of course, the abuse rumors. And due to the fact that they were now in their 70s in 1944, the county decided to make them step down from their post. So they were forcibly retired. They were given pensions and told that they could still live in the facility. And then three months later, they went, nah, just kidding. Y'all gotta leave. And kicked him out. (laughs) They're like, JK, get the fuck out, oldie. JK, you gots to go and take your kids with you. Um, And so they left. And between 1944 and the late 1960s, it underwent construction to expand the building because they had more and more people that they needed to house. Uh, In 1967, it changed to its new name, the Hillview Manor, and it transitioned into a nursing home, a full-time nursing home. So now it wasn't really taking care of the the destitute or the mentally ill. It was just caring for the elderly. Gotcha. And due to a lack of funding, like most nursing homes deal with, in 2004, it closed its doors as a working facility. Like most of these institutions, it opened for a good reason. It wanted to develop livable conditions that the people down on their luck could live together peacefully in. And of course, it declined. Um, It's estimated that during its open times, I can't talk today. Like, I can't find words. During uh, the times when it was running, so from 19... 26 to 2004 around 10,000 deaths occurred on the property those could be because of natural causes there's also records of suicides people hanging themselves people jumping off of the roof uh, and a few recorded cases of murder there is a cemetery on the grounds it's also suspected that there are dozens of unmarked graves as well So, with a space that's got that kind of a history, it's definitely got some ghosts. 
And the Hillview Manor touts itself as being one of the most haunted, like, roadside attractions to a degree. Because no one's really heard of it unless you're kind of around the area. But it's supposed to be fucking haunted. So... A few, there's three main ghosts that people talk about and sort of know by name. The first one is Eli Sorry, uh, but I'm going to call him Eli Butt Grabber Sorry. And he lived there during the early years. He was a poor farmer with a drinking problem. And when you lived there, the house had a strict no drinking policy And so he wanted to get drunk, so he left the property, he went out, he got plastered, he came back, he passed out on the front step. People woke up the next morning and they were like, Eli brought him inside and put him in the boiler room to warm up and sleep it off, but he woke up dead and he (laughs) died in the boiler room. They assume it's from alcohol poisoning. Woke up dead. That always makes me laugh. Because like that just means they didn't wake up. I love it so much. (laughs) So yeah, he died in the boiler room, and he is said to still haunt the boiler room. And Eli likes to physically touch and accost the ladies, and he likes to grab butts and pinch butts and pull your hair, and just generally fuck with women. And then everyone else, he tells them to get out. Just get the fuck out. There have been EVPs caught in the boiler room of someone saying, get out of my room. Or of people just saying, get out. Or not people, it's Eli. Get out. (laughs) So that's Eli Buckrabber Sorry in the boiler room. I should have been like, that's Eli Sorry in the boiler room with a butt grabber. Then we're going to move over to a lovely resident, Mary Virginia. She was a resident with cerebral palsy and no other family. And so she ended up dying on the facility, on the facility, at the facility. She enjoyed playing dress up and listening to music in her time there. And her room, number 105, still has her original bed, nightstand, and chair in it, along with some toys and jewelry that people have set up. Um, They have put out her music box. They say that when people come to visit the room, they bring a doll. And so on the bed is like a huge pile of dolls just all for her. And they set up these other things that they call trigger objects. So paranormal investigators come in and put them in. And it's supposed to be either an actual personal object from the person. So the bed, the chair, the nightstand, the music box, or something that's resembling an object that they used when they were alive. And having those objects is supposed to trigger activity because the spirit would be more drawn towards something that they've that they remember while they were living, right? So Mary is apparently one of the spirits who responds really well to the trigger objects in her room. And they've got a necklace hanging on her headboard that she'll move, like swing it back and forth and sway it. People say that they'll hear her music box turn on And then they have caught EVPs of music playing in her room. Mm. So she's just in there hanging out. 
Just she's chilling. chilling. She's just chilling. And she keeps getting more and more dolls. So, you know, that's nice. The building is also full. She had no children, only dolls. Oof. That's a trigger object right there. <laughs> I am triggered. T-R-I-I-G-E-R. Triggered. So... The building is full of a lot of trigger objects um, because this building is now open for tours and paranormal investigations. And that's it. So they have like doubled down hard into being a ghost zone. So they've got trigger objects all over of residents, people who live there, items of theirs, because they were open until 2004. So there's recent things still around. And the third spirit that we're going to talk about by name is a little boy named Jeffrey, which I mentioned earlier that it's odd that there were children there at all. And one of them apparently chose to never leave. And so Jeffrey's still there. Jeffrey's are terrible. So I'm sure it's not a pleasant situation. Is Jeffrey a really annoying ghost? Well, so record does show that a nine-year-old boy lived at the home with his 11-year-old brother, but his brother got adopted and nothing, there's no record of what happened to him. So they said that they got the name Jeffrey from an EVP session where he said, Jeffrey. My name's Jeffrey. my name. (laughs) And then um, he apparently likes to tug on your shirt and he'll grab you like by the elbow or by the leg. But legends has it that if Jeffrey shows himself to you, like if you see him, that means you gonna die soon. That's what I knew you were gonna say. That yeah, that means if you, you see Jeffrey, die. you gonna die. You gonna fucking die. Yep. He's like, hi. You ready to die today? So that's Jeffrey. There's ha- yeah. there's been a ton of evidence captured. So this. Sh- Place has been featured on Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, all of it. And we've got doors, windows, slamming closed that have been captured, footsteps, shadow figures, objects move around, typical ghost shit. If it's a thing that a ghost does, this house has it. It's like (laughs) shadow people, got it. Doors closing, got it noises got it footsteps got it creepy kid guess what we got it they got it all (laughs) got him check 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 got it so there's a lot of evps out there as well and i personally love evps i feel like that and actual video evidence is the most tangible evidence you can give me Other than like a ghost coming into my face and being like, my name's Jeffrey, for me to say that's real. So I love EVPs. And one story goes that two brothers went to go investigate with a team and their grandmother used to live there when it was a nursing home and they would go visit her as children. So they've been in the building before their grandmother was there. And while they were doing a EVP session, they ended up catching a woman's voice saying a nickname that only their grandmother called them and that no one else on that team knew. 
that their grandmother called them like Dookie Butt. And then on the EVP, <laughs> it was like, hey, Dookie Butt. I love Dookie Butt. <laughs> so that's cool. And then Ghost Adventures, good old Zach Bagans and crew, on Zach their Bagans. episode, they caught EVPs. They caught one in the boiler room saying, get out of this room. No. They caught one saying, I got a question. Another one saying, I'm Jim. And another one saying, I plan on fixing them. So, you know, typical day at Hillview Manor. There are even, again, if you go to the website, the website is hauntedhillviewmanor.com. They do have pictures that people have taken, like on tours. Um, That's evidence. They do have a few EVPs on their website. Excuse me. They do. I apologize. They do have a few EVPs (laughs) on their website. So there's a ton of stuff out there about this place. The building, again, now operates just as a historic tour site. They only offer tours in hour and a half minute increment where the tour guide takes you around and then you leave. A three hour time period where the tour guide takes you around for an hour and a half and then you have an hour and a half to tour the grounds on your own. Yeah. Or a six hour time period where you get the hour and a half long tour and then you get Four and a half hours. No. Yeah. Yeah. On your own. So it's been, then other than that, you can rent it for public, private and public paranormal investigations and private paranormal investigations. So you're saying that's where we should go for our own location episode? And the private paranormal investigations, you get it, the whole place to yourself from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. To 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Yeah, so you get the right, whole yeah, witching like, hour. Where am I supposed to go at 4 a.m.? Back to the hotel. You have to rent a hotel. <laughs> um, But yes, I definitely say that's what we do. People okay. who do visit and have uh, just a few more things. People who visit have often claimed to see figures in the windows when no one's inside. And one guy who took a tour reported that he looked up and he saw an older woman looking out the window and she saw him and she smiled and she waved and he waved back. And when he waved back, she disappeared. Of course she did. Of course she did. What else was she going to do? I know. Like, be like... You got a smoke? Or you like, got me. <laughs> oh, I like to think that she was up there looking at everyone and waiting for someone to see her and then waving and everyone being like, oh, 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 and looking around and not responding. And then the one guy who waves to her, she's like, oh, fucking finally. That's what I was finally, waiting bye. for. That's what I needed to pass on. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And then my last story is... The one that I found to be the scariest. And one investigative team were setting up their cameras in the third floor hallway. And the third floor of the common area is apparently the most active. As they were setting up their cameras in the hallway, they suddenly heard the sound of someone running down the hallway full speed towards them. Right before it got to them, it stopped. Nope. Moments later... The running continued in a different direction. 
No. No. <laughs> right? What I want to know, and I didn't find clarification on this, is whether when it continues to run again after it runs up to you and stops, is it now running somewhere else, going somewhere else? Right. Or is or it, it coming from, from a different direction? Like away. Oh or was it coming from a different direction, coming back at you again? <laughs> because my like thought is, one. what if it's multiple ghosts all running up to, like, corner you? And it's yeah. just like, one, two. Or my other thought was it was another kid ghost who was running down the hallway and didn't see them and then saw them and stopped. <laughs> and then, like, slowly crept away. <laughs> <laughs> ah! He was like, ha, 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 no one's going to catch me. Ooh. <laughs> Do you think they saw me? I hate it. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's my favorite of the ghost stories from the incredibly haunted Hillview Manor. The building now touts itself as one of the most haunted places in Pennsylvania, and it's done everything ghost-wise. It holds, like, a Hillcon, which is their own convention about the their ghosts. Own con- their own spooky convention. They do a, um, what was it? It was a psychic, uh, it was like a psychic tea or a psychic, like, shop or something. So there's a whole thing for psychic. They've done everything oh, I love that. you could possibly do except turn it into a haunted house in October. Weird. Because they don't like, do it's that. a haunted house all year long. They're like, we don't need it. Yeah, they're like, bitch, come here anytime and get spooked the fuck out, buy some tea. Mm-hmm. It exactly. Is what it is. So that's my story of the haunted Hillview Manor in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I would on it, I would love to go visit there with you because none of these spirits seem malevolent. None of them yeah. seem like there is anything negative going except for Jeffrey. Fuck that kid. But well, otherwise it there, seems you like still ixnang the EG board way. <laughs> yes, that's not gonna happen. But we could do, like, you know, some trigger objects. Ooh. A lot of EVP sessions. We could bring a spirit box. See if we get any more regrets. (laughs) Regrets. Regrets. That was it. I would. It just took the one. Yeah. That's the only time I've done a paranormal investigation. Haven't been back. Learned my lesson. Right, but to do one for our show would be different. Because it wouldn't really be an investigation. It would be... Right, it would just be an experience. An experience. <laughs> we just want a paranormal experience. We're not trying to investigate. We should, because it'll be... We could get multiple people to come with us. So we should find listeners who want to come do this with us. Yeah, man. I love it. That's I love $100 Patreon subscriber. <laughs> One time only, hundred dollar donation earns you a spot to go tour to go the haunted Hillview Manor, spooky haunted house with us. Slash probably like spend more time with us because that's definitely not a day trip. We're gonna be staying the night. Yeah, well, and I was gonna say, but you still have to pay for your hotel room separately. Oh, room and board not included. (laughs) (laughs) Room board travel lodging not included. (laughs) Not included. 
No or expenses included in your ticket purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for what 2021 holds. We're going to do some exciting shit. We're going to do things, and I'm amped about it. It's a whole new year, new opportunities, new things. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it, Sarah. You and me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go right now. Okay. All right. I'm Bye, Stephanie. everyone. <laughs> Um, so yes, happy new year. Thank you so much for listening to our show. It's another year. I'm super freaking excited about all the shit that's going to go down. If you want to support our show, you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough, we have $1, $5 and $15 tiers. It is totally accessible. Accessible. Yes. That is the word I wanted to say. Right. Talking's hard right now. I doubted myself that accessible was the right word. But no, I think a dollar is completely accessible. And then it gets you into our Facebook, uh, Patreon-exclusive Facebook group, which is a really good time. But I also know that times is hard. And you may not have a dollar a month to give to us. But you can still super, super help our show by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. That is the best way you can help us. And it doesn't cost you any money. If you take a screenshot and send it to us, we will send you a fucking sticker, you bitch. Get on it, Barb. And um, <laughs> of course, you can also email us at deadtimestories, all one word with a Z, at gmail.com. Check out our website because we have a website now. It was on our list of goals and we accomplished it. Done. Deadtimestories.com, you bitch. Um, if you're tired of me calling you a bitch, let me know. But like, I'll work on it. But right now, I don't it's have like a, a reflex. With it, so, yeah. What'd you say? I said, it's like a reflex. I know. I just get really excited. Yeah, I feel bitch. it. It's okay, bitch. Um, so anyway, that's it for me, Sarah. Do you have anything? Uh, nope. That's it. I'm excited. I'm ready to go get started. I'm I'm gonna go book the Hillview Manor right now. Oh my god, oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. That'd be really cool. Make I'm it excited happen. about what the future holds. I love making the show with you, and thank you for making this show with me. I love making the show with you. Thanks for making You're it marvelous. with me. Here. Thank you guys uh, for happy listening. New year. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you all. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this, and this has, has been, been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 